Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang On the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining me, as always, is Josh Julie. Josh, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening as we prepare for the holidays coming up this week? Uh, tis the season, man. Uh, got a lot of work, a lot of stuff like that going on, but Christmas is coming up, so got to be in a good mood. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm watching this uh, really aesthetically pleasing uh, Idaho Potato Bowl game between Kent State and Wyoming where both teams are wearing yellow. The field is blue. There's big Idaho potato ads in bright yellow on the screen. It's It's probably one of the worst-looking games I've seen in a while. And now the game itself is actually pretty decent, like the football being played, but it's just it, it's hard on the eyes. How did nobody step in and, you know, say to one of these teams, hey, do you guys have some alternates you're ready to roll out or something that the color sequence or color scheme of those two teams, I couldn't even look at. Yeah, it's tough. Bowl season has been uh, interesting, I will say. You know, there's been some fun games, not a lot of, you know, none of the really big teams have played so far, but there have been some some good matchups. And as, as you know, as a man that now lives in Jersey and can legally uh, bet on some of these games, I've had some some monetary interest in them, which is the reason I've been watching a lot of these these smaller schools. But it's been a, it's been a pretty good time. Josh, have you checked out uh, any of these any of these smaller bowl games? I have. I don't really expect you to be watching uh, very locked into the Kent State Idaho game, or, but uh, or Kent State Wyoming, I should say. But alas, here we are. You know, I haven't, and you know, maybe that maybe that comes across as sacrilege, but I just I can't get into some of these bowl games with six and seven win teams, and I think. I think the atmosphere kind of does it for me or the lack thereof to so turn a game on. It, it almost looks like you're watching the pandemic season over again. Some of these bowl games, just to get the sponsors some money and the TV station some money and things like that, they put them on. But there's, you know, 2,500 people at the game. And so that sort of kills it for me. But as we get closer and closer to New Year's, I'll definitely dial in and watch, uh, you know, as many top 25 teams as I can and some of the other teams that, uh, I've just kind of been interested in throughout the year. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that it, it feels like the pandemic season because it's also actually pandemic season in the real world. It is. But yeah. but nonetheless, uh, yeah, like you, like you said, though, it's a lot of small teams playing right now. We will be back next week with uh, a preview of Ohio State's Rose Bowl game, probably do a little preview of the, the playoff games going on that same weekend. So next week will be a more regularly scheduled uh, programming and a lot of big games coming up. But before that, uh, this week we've got some Ohio State news notes to go through. We're going to go through some Ohio State hoop stuff while they're on there. Uh, COVID pause, but we'll start with the the news and notes of the week. Nothing major, but 
More transfer news in the Ohio State realm. The the latest player to transfer from the Buckeyes is uh, defensive lineman Darian Henry Young. Uh, didn't really play much as a Buckeye. Never really t- got a got a chance to take the field. Uh, member of the 2020 class, he was the number 154 recruit in that class. The number 16 defensive tackle, number two player in Ohio out of Princeton High School. Um, and you know, it's just this is kind of the world of college football. These kids that don't play and, and feel like they should have a chance elsewhere are are hitting the portal. We know, you know, we talked about last week Ohio State's defensive line coming up next year and all the talent it has and, and you know maybe could have if Zach Harrison comes back. We know Tyreek Smith is leaving, but they still have Jack Sawyer and JT Tumaloao as as well as the couple other guys that are already committed as well as a few other guys that could be added in the 2022 class. So things are, are looking up for the defensive line, but it seems that you know Darian Henry Young didn't think that he was going to get much of a chance to play next year and he will be looking elsewhere to uh, to take the field. Yeah, and I have no problem with it. Not that it's up for you and I to debate, really. It's not our decision, but he gave it two years. He put in the time, uh, saw limited action, and decided to look elsewhere. He's from Cincy. I can imagine he'd be interested in going down to Cincinnati, maybe Kentucky, something like that. But um, yeah, I, I really have no issue with it. Same goes for Jack Miller. I I, I wish the best for these guys. They, they came in, they gave it a couple of seasons, they put in the time, the effort, didn't get on the field, so they're going to move on. Whereas, you know, we've seen a lot of other kids, uh, a transfer comes in at their position, and they're like, I'm out. You know, Casey Thompson, the quarterback at Texas, is a perfect example. He led the Big 12 in passing touchdowns. They brought in Quinn Ewers. He goes, yep, I'm out. That sort of rubs me the wrong way, and I don't want to go off on a big tangent here. I just want to see guys compete. Like, like, don't run away from it or walk away from it, especially if you're a guy who's played. Um, you know, you're the big man on campus, so to speak, when you talk about Casey Thompson. So, you know, the whole thing's weird. I, I know I need to get used to it. It's going to become more and more prevalent. But um, as far as Darren Henry Young goes, I, I wish him the best, and I could see him going probably just a, a short trip down I-71. I don't have any, any intel on that, but um, hopefully he finds what he's looking for. Yeah, interestingly enough, his primary recruiter was actually Taver Johnson, obviously no longer on the staff. Secondary recruiter is Larry Johnson, who is still obviously on the staff and will be for, you know, until he decides to hang it up. But nonetheless, it is kind of interesting to me because I feel like, you know, if you were going to be a younger player on this Ohio State defensive line, defensive tackle is kind of where you'd want to be right now because it seems like that room could be a little bit more wide open than defensive end will next season. Obviously, Haskell Garrett will be off to the next level. You got a couple other guys in that room that are that are upperclassmen, so... You know, it is kind of odd to me that he would choose to transfer now because there might have been a chance for him to maybe sneak into that defensive tackle rotation this year. You know, we like, we obviously both like Tyleek Williams and there's a couple other guys that, that played well this past year. But it does seem like if you were going to be, you know, in deep in the pecking order on this Ohio State defensive line, defensive tackle is where you'd want to be at right now. That's a really good point. Yeah, we're going to lose a lot of upperclassmen who are going to move on, graduate, all that good stuff. So, it's a good point by you. There may have been an avenue for him to get on the field and play quite a bit, but he's in the locker room. He's a part of the roster. He clearly didn't see it that way, and so he wants a fresh start somewhere else. You're right. I mean, Tyleek Williams is the only name that jumps out to me right now as a proven commodity there on the interior. 
Yeah, and we don't really know, you know, which of these guys that have, you know, eligibility from the extra COVID year, you know, some of these upperclassmen could stick around an extra year. Maybe there's some of that going on. And like you said, you know, he knows better than us that the current construction of the roster and who's coming and who's going. So, you know, if he felt it wasn't going to be his year, then that's just how it is. But nonetheless, you know, like you said, we wish him the best. We'll, we'll see where he wind, where he ends up. You know, he is from Cincinnati. Maybe he goes and plays for the plays for the Bearcats. You know, their, their defense is looking good. Maybe they need a defensive tackle. Who knows? But the other uh, transfer news of the of the week, not that uh, not a new transfer, but someone who has found a new home, is uh, Jack Miller, the quarterback who you alluded to earlier, has committed to Florida, uh, which is kind of surprising to me. I kind of thought he he would go home and either play, you know, at an Arizona or Arizona State somewhere in that, you know, on the West Coast, maybe in the Pac-12 somewhere, but. He winds up at Florida under new head coach Billy Napier. We know that you know Florida's quarterback situation this past year was kind of fluid with Emory Jones and I, the other kid's name is escaping me. That they kind of mixed them both in, but you know it could be could be an opportunity for him to start there under Billy Napier. Maybe they didn't like the guys that they currently had on the roster. Obviously, they like what they saw in Jack Miller to bring him in. So maybe Jack Miller gets a chance to start for an SEC school next year. I'm with you. I was sort of surprised. I thought that he would head out to the West Coast, go back to the West Coast. I should say. Anthony Richardson is the other guy uh, who played for Florida, played quite a bit towards the end of the year. And he struggled at times, but I liked what I saw from him. Um, I I don't want to compare apples to oranges, but he he reminded me a little bit of Cam Newton at Florida. He's a kind of a big bodied mobile, you know, dual threat guy. But yeah, Jack Miller's got uh, a heck of a pedigree coming out of high school. So I'm sure there will be some sort of competition there. I'm sure that he didn't, go to Florida thinking he's going to be a backup or anything like that. So he's another guy that I wish the best for. He was sort of Captain Buckeye, really, as part of his recruiting class. He was an early committee, I should say. And um, it just obviously he joined a room that had too much talent, not too much talent for him. I mean, too much talent overall. And that's why we've seen other guys move on just way too crowded. And so he's going to start elsewhere. I, you know, I don't know how great Florida is going to be. I think Billy Napier is a good coach, but they've struggled the last couple of years under Dan Mullen. I don't know what sort of talent they have coming back. And the SEC is really as strong as it ever has been. LSU's down, but Texas A&M is up and every other team sort of the same. Kentucky's improved quite a bit. So We'll see. He's he's definitely not going to an easy conference, but if he wins a competition and gets some playing time, I can see him doing well. But there's definitely, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson is is a guy to watch out for. So I also wouldn't be surprised if Jack Miller is a backup again, even though I, I wish nothing but good things for him. He's going to have his work cut out for him. Yeah. And he, he goes to Florida, kind of an interesting point for that program. Like like you mentioned the SEC is is up uh, along the board pretty much. You know, Texas A&M is bringing in a ridiculous recruiting class. Obviously, Alabama and Georgia are what they are. Yeah, Brian Kelly going to LSU maybe turn things around there. And on top of all that, in the SEC, you also have Mario Cristobal going to to Miami in the ACC and kind of uh, tapping into some of that fertile recruiting ground down there. So it's going to be you know kind of a, a a tough couple of years for Billy Napier. It's a really important couple of years for him to start his tenure there and in kind of the terms of what the Gators are going to wind up being. Obviously, we know that there's a ton of ton of talent there and there, probably more than enough to go around in the state of Florida if they want to start, you know, bringing in some of those high four and five star guys that that are that get bred down there at the IMG academies and all those kinds of schools down there. But yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up starting there. Obviously, you know, he was a player that Ryan Day really liked and, you know, 
Ohio State staff really liked before they kind of added some of the the Kyle McCords, Quinn Ewers, and C.J. Strouds of the world to those classes. You know, uh, Jack Miller was the first of those guys to, to join the class. He was going to be the, the number one guy for Ohio State if had those guys not come to the program. So he's clearly a guy that, that you know has the caliber if he's coached up right and you know in in the right system that he could be a starter at, at the Power Five level. I don't know how successful Florida will be overall as a program because of all the other outside factors I just mentioned, but. You know, hopefully he succeeds down there. You know, I have no ill will towards Jack Miller. I still think that uh, the way Ohio State handled their quarterbacks this past year wasn't great. I think that everyone knew Jack Miller was never going to play at Ohio State, and I think the reps that they gave him were kind of wasted. I would have liked them to go to you know guys like Quinn Ewers or Comacord or guys that actually had a chance to play at some point in the program. But nonetheless, you know, Jack Miller's found a new home. I think Ohio State's pretty happy with what they have at quarterback still, even after losing uh, Miller and Ewers. So I think, you know, win, win-win across the board. Maybe he just likes good weather, right? He's an Arizona guy. Now he's going to Florida. He's an Arizona guy, right? Yeah. Jack Miller Jack Miller saw the, the Michigan game in the snow. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing this. I'm going to the South. Yeah, but I, I, I'm glad that he went to a program or a team that is still sort of in that upper echelon. I'd like to see him get some reps at a good school as opposed to you know, maybe going to a Mac or, or something like that, where he could probably just walk into a starting role, but you don't know the talent around him. Leaving Ohio State, it's like, hey, I still want to go play with some good players and maybe have a better chance to get on the field. So he probably had a, a couple of schools in mind, I would imagine, settled on Florida. And um, yeah, wish him luck. He He was a guy that was really invested in this program and it didn't work out. But I think I would imagine that the coaches wish him well and the the guys that he was in the program with. Uh, I'm sure that the rest of the team and the roster is going to be rooting for him down the road. Yes, and while we're while we're on the topic of the the transfer portal and the SEC, we do have to talk about uh, what's going on in Tuscaloosa these days. Uh, we don't. Nick, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get fired up, Gene. Nick Saban just refuses to stop. Like, I don't know what what this man has to prove. Like, I, I don't like he, he can relax. I think it's time for Nick Saban to retire on top and just, you know, leave us all alone. Leave the college football world alone at large. I don't really know what to think about what he's doing down there anymore, except for the fact that he's just, you know, he's just showing off at this point. Like, it's this. He, he knows that he's the best coach in America. He knows that he's, you know, the best at what he does. And he just continues to pile on that notion. And, you know, obviously I'm talking about some of the latest additions to Alabama's roster through the transfer portal. We know uh, they they added Eli Ricks, who Ohio State was once looking at. Uh, just today, they've now added high four-star, uh, five-star, depending on which site you look at. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, a running back, who was at Georgia Tech, uh, former Ohio State target they were looking at at one point. But yeah, I mean, the, the Crimson Tide just continued to stockpile talent. We saw last year, you know, they added Henry Toto, another guy that Ohio State was looking at. It seems that, you know, not only does Alabama get whoever they want in the recruiting game, but they're also starting to just take all of the nation's top talent in the portal. You know, obviously, you know, their best offensive player this year was Jamison Williams, and he was a, an Ohio State transfer. So Nick Saban's just never satisfied with being the best, and he just keeps stockpiling everything and, and making his team even better and better, better than we even thought it could be. And it's, you know, it's it's tough to watch. I mean, it's you got to respect it just because of how good Nick Saban is at as his job. But for the rest of the college football world, for the other 129 teams in the country, they're, they're probably getting a little tired of watching it. It's so frustrating, man, um, for them to continue to handpick players from other rosters. It's just, yeah, when is enough enough? Now, with Gibbs, 
heck of a talent. And he was good at Georgia Tech. I think he ran for like 700, 800 yards, and he's a, a dual threat back. I think he had four to 500 yards receiving, if I'm not mistaken. So um, the thing is with Alabama, they probably have – what five five star running backs on the roster to join him so it's no guarantee that he's going to walk into a role they always recruit at a high level but yeah like just leave some for the rest of us man like it's to go out and get proven commodities for your already stout roster it's just it's impressive by him it's impressive by the program and you know, I don't want to overreact as an Ohio State fan and be like, oh, we could have had Ricks and we kind of shot it down and we recruited Jameer Gibbs. So maybe there was an avenue to where we could, you know, open the lines of communication with him. Look, Ohio State has been aggressive in the past. They went and got Justin Fields. They went and got Trey Sermon. So they've gotten some guys, too, but they passed on Ricks. They didn't bring anybody in last year uh, or, you know, this year uh, for this season, I, I should say. So, um I hope that there's still somebody out there that maybe they're looking at, but I I would like to see Ohio state be more aggressive there. That being said, we've, we've talked about this before. I think Ryan day is big on chemistry. And so he wants his guys. He wants those high school players that they have developed a relationship with. And then he wants to develop the guys in the program to the best of his ability and the coaching staff's ability. But to see Alabama go and get these guys that have already been there and done it and been successful at the college level. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know when they fall off. Like there's no drop off ever. They just, they reload even better than Ohio state does. Ohio state was mentioned as one of those programs that it's just an easy reload. And they, they still do, right. We're still Ohio state top five program, top five recruiting class, but Alabama just does it at such a higher level that it's become really frustrating for the rest of us, I think. Yeah, that was going to be my kind of main point on all this. And it's just like, why isn't Ohio State doing this? And I know it's not realistic to to compare anything that other programs do to what Nick Saban is able to do, both in recruiting and the transfer portal. I don't think that his, you know, what he's able to do is replicable by pretty much any other program in the country. But at the same time, you know, obviously, obviously Ohio State wasn't going to go after Jameer Gibbs. They have Trayvon Henderson and, and Mayan Williams. They're pretty set at running back. Not too upset about that one. But a guy like Eli Ricks, I really just don't understand why Ohio State didn't pursue him, why they're not going after some of these top-tier guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball where they struggled so mightily this year. It just doesn't really make any sense to me. And I know they want to claim chemistry and stuff, but at the same time, like how much can one or two guys uh, affect the locker room? And like if there's, you know, if there's guys that are going to, leave because one guy comes in that that player that leaves probably wasn't going to play either way so I don't know that that just that whole thing kind of rubs me the wrong way I don't like the whole you know prioritizing chemistry over talent clearly Alabama doesn't have any chemistry issues as they continue to win national title after national title as they you know bring all the talent in they possibly can no matter what the cost so I don't know I, I feel like Ohio State could could easily do the same thing and they're just choosing not to and I don't quite really understand the reason why I know we've you know Alabama has had all of the success in the world doing this forever and they're just going to do even more so now that the transfer portal is much more of a of an open free agency type of concept so I don't I know wonder it's if just, it's an it's ego thing you know and I don't have any like inside information on Eli Ricks especially but clearly the staff is invested in Jordan Hancock and JK Johnson so 
They liked those guys. And maybe they just felt as if Ricks was going to come in and felt as if he was owed a position and they just didn't want to deal with that. I don't know that at all. That's just a guess. That's just, you know, hypothesizing over here. But you look at a guy like Justin Fields, Justin Fields was an Uber recruit, but his sort of demeanor and his attitude, he's, he's a low key sort of guy. Um, same thing with Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon had been at Oklahoma for a number of years, suffered some injuries. So it's like, oh, you know, is he going to come in expecting to be handed, you know, everything? I don't know. We don't know that, but it, it is interesting. And hopefully Eli Ricks is not the one that got away, especially for a secondary that could, you know, use some top end talent. Yeah. And I understand like trusting the guys you have on the roster, but at the same time, it's like, you know, a guy like Eli Ricks specifically, this is a guy that's, you know, a proven commodity. He's a, he's an all American. He's a, he's a, you know, top caliber corner at the college level. And, you know, you have guys on the roster you think could be that, but you have also a guy that's sitting right there for you that you know is that already. So, you know, I think it's just kind of silly to sit there and be like, well, we could have Eli Ricks, but we also have these two other corners, and they could be anything. They could even be Eli Ricks. Uh, like, I just, I don't know. I don't I don't really understand that line of thinking. I guess it's, you know, it's whatever. I'm not going to harp on it too much, but I do feel like Ohio State could uh, do a lot similar to what Alabama is doing in the transfer portal, and they're just not as aggressive as Alabama is. They're not looking to to add as much, and I think that you know you have to really look at your roster, and you know even if you recruited these guys, even if you feel committed to these guys that you have on the roster, if there's better options out there, you kind of have to be uh, sort of ruthless in this era and, and go out and get them. You know, Ryan Day was was touted as this kind of ruthless college football coach, and we haven't really seen that much recently it's been a lot of you know conservative stuff on his end and you know bringing in obviously Knowles as defensive coordinator is a big move and hopefully we're heading in the right direction there but you know at the same time it's just it feels like a lot of what Ohio State does is trying to play it safe and in the college football realm when you're trying to compete with the Alabamas and Georgias of the world you just can't you can't afford to play it safe yeah maybe there's something late in the pipeline um Trey Sermon was a late ad so maybe there are some guys that they still have their eyes on that they'd like to bring in here after bowl season and after they can kind of get everything figured out with their coaching staff and move forward towards next season, maybe they've opened the lines of communication with some other guys and they're just waiting to maybe make something official. Yeah, we'll see. There could obviously, there's obviously, you know, tons of players in the portal. Maybe Ohio State's working on a few things behind the scenes. wanted to uh to switch gears a bit here we're going to talk obviously a ton of football next week as we preview ohio state's game against utah in the rose bowl but uh for now i wanted to kind of switch gears talk about something we don't get to talk uh to talk about a ton here on hangout in the holy land and that is the the basketball team which as you all probably know is currently in a, in a bit of a covid pause but i did want to take some time and kind of reflect on their season where they're at so far in the year uh kind of look where they're at going forward kind of what we've thought about watching them this year we don't really get to you know we haven't talked a ton of basketball on this podcast yet so i did want to give those guys their their well-deserved shout out you know the latest ap poll came out on monday and even though they haven't been in action since uh december 11th they did move up to the number 14 spot in the country uh they've got some big wins this year obviously the notable one is the win over number one Duke, but they also beat a ranked Seton Hall team. Uh, they just beat up on a ranked Wisconsin team in their last time out. So uh, it's been an interesting year for Ohio State. I think in the beginning of the year, they start out a little slow. I was a little worried earlier in the year that, you know, they were really 
going to, you know, feel the misses of guys like uh, Dwayne Washington and uh, CJ Walker and just some of the, some of the talent they lost from last year. But some of the guys they have now have really been coming into their own. The young guys are playing really well. Um, they're starting to gel as a group. Everyone's finding their role. EJ Liddell is playing like, you know, a legitimate player of the year candidate. And I think it's all starting to come together for Chris Holtman. And I really like uh, the direction this team is going. Hopefully they obviously get healthy uh, and they're able to play their next upcoming game. Chris Holman did say they expect to play uh, their next schedule game, which is on the 28th. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, I think this is this has a chance to be a really good Ohio State team. And I think that there wasn't a ton expected of them coming into the year, but I think that they're slowly, you know, finding their own and like f- play, playing their game. And I think that when they play up to their you know, best possibility, we've seen what they could do. They beat the number one team in the country in Duke, and that's not a game that many even expected them to be competitive in. So I've, I've been impressed with what I've seen so far, and I'm, I'm looking forward to what, what comes next. I, I, I'm just looking forward to them playing at this point, right? This whole COVID situation has been crazy for them. But yeah, I, I really like what I've seen from this team. I think that it's definitely going to be a by committee approach outside of EJ Liddell. EJ Liddell is playing at an all-American level, but he can't do everything on his own. And then you've got like six or seven guys all averaging between six and 10 points per game. I do think that they need a, I guess, primary secondary score, if that makes sense. Somebody like a Dwayne Washington was last year, maybe a perimeter guy who is capable of 20 I know the Zed Key had a big game against uh, Duke, but he's also had three or four games of seven points or less. And look, I love Zed Key, but at the end of the day, he is a below the rim six eight post player. And I, I don't know how well that's going to play as they get into Big Ten play. But um, he's clearly shown a lot of improvement. He can now be counted on more so than he was last year. I just, I hope he's not a one trick pony. If he's going up against some bigger guys, he may be shut down uh, that much easier. But, you know, we've seen some big shots from Cedric Russell. I don't know if he's going to be the guy right now. He's averaging three points per game. He's only playing nine minutes. I'd like to see him uh, out there a little bit more, but you've at least got, like I said, six, seven, eight guys who are capable of getting you a bucket at any given time. And you've got a lot of experience. Jamari Wheeler came in with a ton of experience. Um, You know, Justin Aarons has been with the program for a while. Kyle Young's been with the program for a decade. Cedric Russell has played elsewhere. Justice Stewing, I would assume they're going to get him back. I think he is the big missing link right now between this being a good team and a potentially really good to great team. I hope that they get him back sooner than later because he can do a little bit of everything. He really can. I mean, he can score, he can pass, he can rebound, he can switch on defense. I, I It's hard to say that they really missed him, but I think he will just make them that much better. And the guy that I really have my eyes on is Malachi Branham. He was, you know, an Uber recruit coming in here, 20 points per game in high school. He struggled a little bit so far, shooting less than 40% from the floor, 33% from three. He's only putting up six points per game right now. I, I think he's been hesitant, but that's not unexpected from a freshman, obviously. He's got 20 point or 15 point per game potential. I would just like to see him be a little more aggressive because when he's sure of himself, whether it's a drive or a pull-up jumper, 
Like you can see it, the scoring potential and the scoring ability, it's all there. He needs to find himself at the college level. And I think that he will sooner than later. He's a guy that I'm really excited about, but I really hope that he pans out because he could be that, like I said, that 15 to 20 point per game guy given some time. And if he comes close to his ceiling, even this year, I think Ohio State could be a top 10 team. Easy. I really think that they have that much talent and experience on their team. They just need some guys to play up to their ability. And obviously they need to get Justice Suing back. Yeah. You talked about Ohio State kind of finding their go-to secondary scorer. And I was going to say, you know, what's most impressive about what Ohio State's been able to do this year is that they've done it all without Justice Suing, who coming into the year was going to be that number two guy to EJ Liddell and is a guy who, you know, does a, does a lot for this team when he's on the court. He can, you know, he could take the ball up. He could create it on a shot. He could shoot from deep. He could make, you know, create inside. He does a lot for this team. and He's a really good player. And missing him has definitely hurt this team. But I think that, you know, we've seen, like you said, Zed Key has had some really big games for this team. I think he's played, you know, really well at coming into his second year. Obviously, Kyle Young is continuing to do his, his Kyle Young stuff as as the glue guy and some one of these, you know, guys that gives you 100%, 110% hustle at all times on the floor. You know, you mentioned a guy like Justin Orens, who's, you know, basically just a three-point specialist, but his defense has improved. And I've really been impressed with uh, Jamari Wheeler, the transfer from Penn State. I think he's been even better than advertised on the offensive end, and he's not, you know, he's not putting up a ton of points every game. He's averaging a little over six per game, but he, you know, when he is shooting, he's been really effective. Uh, he hasn't been turning the ball over. He's been, you know, he's been creating uh, shots for his teammates. He's been really good on this team. Obviously, you know, he was he was touted as this big time defensive guy, and he's definitely brought that with him. I think overall, this team has played, you know, pretty well on the defensive end, which is kind of a, you know, a, a theme of the Chris Holtman style of coaching. But nonetheless, you know, I, I think that all these pieces together like you said, can can create a, a top 10 basketball team this season. And I am really interested to see what happens when Justice Suing comes back. We're not quite sure when that'll be. It sounds like, you know, he's slowly progressing. I would imagine he'll be back, you know, sometime, hopefully in the next month or so. Um, hopefully, you know, as, as this team starts to get into Big Ten play, they could slowly uh, in, insert Justice Suing back into the lineup. I don't know if he'll, you know, start right away once he comes back after missing so much time. But, you know, they'll have to figure out some rotations with him. I'm sure they'll they'll be able to do that. And also Seth Towns, who's missed the entirety of the year with, with a back issue. You know, they've said his knee is finally fully healthy. Uh, he's just coming off this back injury that he had. Um, and, and, you know, he's another guy that can really fill it up when he's got the ball in his hands. He's a guy that we haven't really gotten to see play at 100% since he got to Ohio State. He hasn't been at 100%, you know, health-wise for quite some time now. But he is, you know, an all, all-star type of player when he when he is fully healthy. And who knows if we'll ever see the, the Seth Towns that was a star at Harvard ever again. But I think that, you know, a healthy... Seth Towns could be a very vital role player for this team. So across the board, there's a lot of a lot of things to like on this team. You know, you mentioned Cedric Russell. I'm very intrigued by him. Uh, he's a guy that hasn't really played a ton, but when he's been out there, he seems like a a very Dwayne Washington esque player, kind of that microwave style scorer. That when he's when he's shooting, the basket looks like an ocean to him, but when he's cold, he's he's ice cold. So it seems like a hit or miss kind of guy. But I am very intrigued by him. I think he could be. You know, if Ohio State's looking for additional scoring, especially from the guard spots, I think he could be a guy that we could see get more and more playing time as the year goes on. And I just, I really like the the way this team's playing right now. I think that they're done, they've done a good job of taking some of the pressure off of EJ Liddell. And while he is still averaging over 20 points per game, I think he's been able to kind of, kind of have less stress on himself, less feeling that he has to score every possession. He has to be in the game for Ohio State to succeed. I think that the guys around him have done a good job of kind of you know, spreading everything else out to the point where EJ Liddell doesn't have to do it all himself, and that when other teams look to double and triple EJ Liddell as they've done this year, they have other options to score. Gene, I'm glad you brought up Jamari Wheeler again. I've been really impressed with him too. 
really his offensive output has surprised me. Uh, if you look at his career at Penn State, his career high in points was 6.8 points per game last year. He's currently at 6.3, but he's been efficient, shooting 47% from the field, 37% from three. 88% from the line, which is probably not sustainable if you look at the totality of his career, but he's averaging a career high 4.4 assists per game, and he's only turning it over 1.4 times. So he's taking care of the ball. He's hit some big shots in big moments, and he is, to me, he is like that CJ Walker type that we needed, sort of a calming influence on the team, a good ball handler. He's a better defender than CJ Walker, but he is a guy, you know, it's tough to say that he is or was a missing link because like I said, he reminds me a lot of CJ Walker, but he has been very important to this team. I think just because of the experience that he brings, the demeanor, the attitude, he's a dog out there on defense, especially. So he's been a really great add to the team and, as for Seth Towns, another guy you brought up, I think anything that we get from him is a bonus at this point. You know, he has just dealt with so many injuries and it's been to the legs. It's been to his back. Who knows? You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't play at all this year. Um, I know the coaches have said that he's progressing well and all of that good stuff, but I don't know what he's going to bring to the table. And it's not due to a lack of talent. It's just, he has been so beat up for so long that, you know, if we get him back and he can give us five points a game, I would be over the moon um, because we could, you know, use some, you can always use more shot making. Right. But I, I think with the roster as it's currently constructed, once they get justice suing back, I think that's all they need. Yeah. And I, you know, I think you're kind of right on the set town thing. I think he would almost be like a, sort of like a mid-season transfer portal acquisition when he comes back, if he comes back, just with the, you know, how, you know, his health and stuff being such a question mark, but he would be a very, you know, valuable asset off the bench coming back if he's, if he's, you know, he's able to do it at some point this year. I think overall what we've kind of seen and kind of what we've, we've touched on here inadvertently is that, uh, you know, this team has a lot of good senior leadership on it and, it, and it's really good for the young guys. You know, you brought up Malachi Branham, who I think is going to come onto his own as the year continues to progress. I think you've, we've seen his confidence slowly start to build each game. He's a guy that really filled it up in high school at St. Fitz and St. Mary's. I think that he's going to be, you know, a really good player at Ohio State in the future. And, you know, we didn't really get to touch on Michi Johnson, who's also, you know, technically a freshman after coming in late last year after reclassifying. You know, two young guys, two young guards. Uh, Michi Johnson's been really fun to watch. He's a guy that, you know, I think he is really confident already. And that, you know, the more that he's gotten a chance to show off his game, the better he's looked. So, you know, those two guys, Michi and Malachi, uh, are going to be really important pieces for this team moving forward at those guard spots. We've seen Ohio State kind of struggle at, at that guard spot with without Dwayne Washington and, you know, earlier in the year especially. But now that those two guys have kind of found their niche and are starting to gain confidence each and every game, I think we've seen Ohio State as a team get better and better. And I think a lot of that comes from a lot of the upperclassmen leadership on this team. Obviously, you have guys like Kyle Young and Justin Orange, both seniors. EJ Liddell's a junior. Uh, you know, Jamari Wheeler, senior. Cedric Russell, senior. And those guys haven't been here, but you know, they've still been around college basketball for quite some time, and they can kind of show those guys the ropes. And you know, even a guy like Zed Key. You know, Zed Key's only a sophomore. I feel like we forget that because of how he plays and how how confident he looks out there. But that's another young guy on this team that Ohio State's really relying on to do a lot, especially without Justice suing out there. And he and he's really stepped up to the plate, and he's been an important aspect for this team. I think he's a lot of fun. Obviously, the fans love the finger guns. You know, as, as a Long Island guy, Zed Key is is my dude. He's from Bayshore, so that wasn't too far from where I grew up. 
Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to like about this team. I think they have a good mix, good mix of guards and forwards, a good mix of senior leadership and young guys. And really, I think overall, it's not you know, it's not one of these teams that has you know one or two superstars and then like everyone else is just there. I think you know you have EJ Liddell there as your star, but then around him, I think you have a bunch of players that on any given night can give you you know ten points, fifteen points if they if they get hot. So I think it's a good thing to have. I think it's good to have options, and I think that. You know, Chris Holman's probably very happy with the way this roster is constructed. We've seen a lot of, you know, transfer stuff the last couple of years, and I think that, you know, that's that's a college basketball problem in general, not an Ohio State problem, but it is hard to kind of keep a roster together and have guys learn with each other and kind of grow with each other when there's so much transfer going on and so much different roster movement. But I think this year this team is, is pretty pretty well put together. I think a lot of these guys really want to be here, and I think that they've really been helping each other out play better, and I think that you know it's, it's definitely good for a guy like EJ Liddell who was able to play to the best of his abilities knowing that everyone else around him is kind of on the same page. I like the way that Chris Holtman builds a roster and has built this roster. You know, I I, I would never say we don't want a, uh, a Paolo Banchero from Duke, right? But you would take a, a top-end talent like that, but it seems like he has brought in a lot of guys who are unselfish. They want to play team ball. They're potentially interested in sticking around for a few seasons. And I think we've seen that a lot in college basketball. When you live and die by the one and done rule, you're going to have peaks and valleys. I've talked about this in a previous pod. You know, North Carolina has fallen off a little bit. Duke, you know, had a, a really tough year last year. Kentucky has sort of been up and down. Uh, you look at a, a team like Memphis. Memphis brought in a ton of talent this year. And Memphis, last time, I, I think they're outside the top 25 right now, even though they've got just a ton of talented guys on that team. You still have to build the roster and build the team up the right way. And Chris Holtman has done that. You know, I know that he has caught flack in the past. He can't get a five-star center or this and that, but I don't think you can really argue with the results. They're always competitive in the Big Ten. They're, they've been in the tournament year after year, and they're fun and exciting to watch. You know, speaking of fun, you brought up Zed Key. I think the Zed Key and Michi Johnson are like two of the funnest guys I can remember uh, at, at Ohio State. Zed's got this personality, and Michi Johnson is that prototypical, irrational confidence guy. He's never afraid to take a big shot, and some of those shots might not be the best. They might be way too early in the shot clock. They might be from, you know, from too deep. But we saw it uh, with his buzzer beater. The game is escaping me right now. Hit a couple big shots against Penn State. He does not back down from the moment, and that's another thing that you need on your team. Even if he's not going to give you 10, 12, 15 points per game, he'll hit a clutch shot, and he's definitely not afraid to take one. So I love those two guys, and I think that as you look at the rest of the Big Ten, I think they can make a run. Purdue's a great team, and I think that they could give Ohio State some trouble down the road. They've got like that 7-11 center. Uh, I don't know how we're going to score a rebound over him, but Michigan is not everything that they were cracked up to be this year. Illinois is down. They're not currently ranked inside the top 25. Michigan State is Michigan State, right? They're always going to be tough. They're always going to be competitive. But if you look at the Big Ten from top to bottom, I think that you have to put Ohio State up there in the top two or three right now. 
Yeah, I mean, statistically speaking, Ohio State is one of four teams remaining in the Big Ten that is still unbeaten in conference play. You know, Northwestern's only played one game and they're 1-0, but you have Michigan State, Ohio State, and Illinois all at 2-0 in conference. Uh, both Ohio State's wins coming against Penn State and Wisconsin. Wisconsin's being a, a ranked matchup and Penn State being on the road, which is a place Ohio State has typically struggled. To, so to see them go in there and win that game uh, relatively easily w- was good to see. Um, and yeah, like you said, the Big Ten as a whole, Obviously, Purdue is really, really good. They they did lose that game uh, to Rutgers right after becoming number one in the country, which is just incredibly on brand for Purdue. But overall, the, I think it's just, you know, the Big Ten's always a strong basketball conference, and I think that is the same this year. I don't think there's one team, you know, Purdue is probably the team that's the favorite to win it right now, but I think that overall, the rest of the conference is just solid. Like, there isn't really any off weeks in, in the Big Ten. You know, maybe Nebraska, they haven't been the greatest of basketball teams lately, uh, but you know, every game in the Big Ten is a battle, uh, no matter who you're going up against, especially if it's on the road. So, you know, you know, looking at Ohio State's schedule coming up here, they have this game against New Orleans, which is going to be, hopefully they get to play it. That's on the 28th. Um, if they get to play that, that's kind of like a, a, a sort of a tune-up game coming off their COVID, COVID pause before they head into the, the rest of their Big Ten schedule. They do get the, you know, the luxury of going to Nebraska for that first game on that Big Ten stretch, but then they have to go to Indiana. They play at home versus Northwestern. They have a rematch at Wisconsin. So, the road doesn't get super easy for this team. It never is going to be easy in the Big Ten. But like you said, I think Ohio State is is one of the better teams in the conference. I think they could compete with pretty much anyone there. Um, I think Purdue is kind of a tough matchup for them because of all the size they have. You know, uh, uh, Jaden Ivey is a really good point guard also. I li- really like Travion Williams, the forward. I think that team overall is a lot of fun to watch. And I've, you know, I don't know how much you've watched of Purdue basketball this year, but they are very, very good despite that loss to Rutgers. Um, you know, Illinois is obviously an interesting team. With Kofi Coburn, Michigan State, and Tom Izzo are always going to do what they do and you know be a tournament team and, and give people fits one way or another. Michigan is is not playing their best right now, but I think they are a good team overall and could you know still be another you know Ohio State Michigan's not as big in the basketball realm, but it's still going to be a good game when those two teams meet later in the year. Uh, but yeah, I think it should be a fun season for Ohio State. I was you know I, like I said I wasn't totally in on this team earlier in the year. I thought that this was going to be a bit of a down year. Uh, after losing, well, you know, kind of surprisingly losing Dwayne Washington, I would say. I don't know if they really fully expected that going into the offseason, but I thought they were going to have a down year this year where it was kind of just if EJ Liddell played well, Ohio State would win, and if he played bad, they would lose. Um, and luckily, that doesn't seem like it'd be the case. I think that they, you know, they're in a good spot. I think overall the roster is strong, and I think that they could compete with pretty much any of these teams out there. Would I pick them to win, you know, on a neutral side against Purdue right now? Probably not, but, you know, who knows later in the year if everyone's clicking at the same time and, you know, you catch Purdue at the right time, I think they could beat anyone in this conference. So I'm excited for the rest of this this college basketball season. Like you said, the number one priority is getting them back on the court and getting some of these guys healthy with, with the COVID issues and stuff. But once they're back on the court, I'm, I'm excited for what we're going to see. I've got a couple of funny things about the schedule you brought up and then Dwayne Washington. First with Dwayne Washington, I believe he's down on the G League team for Indiana now. And now I, I do know that he made a couple of appearances with the NBA team. But, you know, if he goes down to the G League again with the way COVID is running rampant through the NBA right now, they're able to sign replacement players. Dwayne Washington has the opportunity. He could play for like three, four, five, eight teams this year. Who knows? You've seen Isaiah Thomas come in, um, DeMarcus Cousins, and then these teams are bringing guys literally like off the street and off of G League teams. So that could be interesting. But also you mentioned the New Orleans game. Uh, hopefully they do get to play that. I don't know where ESPN is pulling their numbers from, but they've got ticket prices listed. What do you think is the current cheapest ticket available for the New Orleans game? I'm going to say 
if you want to make the trip down to New Orleans. Again, I don't know where ESPN is pulling their information from, uh, but tickets are as low as $4 for that New Orleans game. That's in Columbus. In New Orleans. No, it's in Value City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. (laughs) So if you're you're in Columbus and you have, you know, you're not doing anything on the 28th, head over to Value City Arena and watch uh, Ohio State take on an 0-5 team, a team that's 0-5 on the road, I should say. Yeah, I, I do hope they get to play that game. And who knows, uh, you know, who has been affected by COVID within the program. Hopefully they have their full complement of players. I wouldn't be shocked if they don't. And unfortunately, it's it's something that they're probably going to have to deal with throughout the entirety of the season. But, um, you know, assuming they finish everything out, I think that I, I do think that Ohio State is capable of winning the Big Ten. I had to think about it for a little bit, and obviously Purdue's going to be tough, but no one else in the conference really scares me, and we've beat the number one team in the country. Uh, We beat Duke. Now, we may not see them again. It was one game. It was at home, but, uh, you know, took down the number one team in the country. Wisconsin is pretty tough. They've already beaten them by a, a healthy amount, so... I do think that this team has a ton of untapped potential. And I think that's the biggest thing you and I have both sort of gone back to it. If everyone gets healthy and guys play up to their ability, I think that they could be a really dangerous scoring team too. We've seen the defense. It's been pretty good, but on the offensive side of the ball, I've mentioned those guys all between like six and 10 points per game couple of guys push that up to 12 to 14 points per game, something like that. Ohio State could consistently put up 80, 85, 90 points on any given night. So I think that's going to be big. And a guy like Justin Aarons, too, I don't think we've talked about him enough. He's been efficient on the offensive end. I don't think that's a big surprise. And I just I want to bring this up. It's kind of going back a little bit. But I've really been impressed with him on the defensive end. He is never going to be a lockdown defender. But the effort is there. And that's a big overlying theme for the team. The effort is always there. And Justin Air, Justin Ahrens, um, Kyle Young, guys like that, they lead the charge. And, you know, I, I don't need Justin Ahrens to be a Gary Payton or a Giannis or anything like that on the defensive end. But if he's one of your upperclassmen and he is busting his butt every night, knowing that he might get five shots and he's probably going to hit like three of them, but he's out there playing a bunch of minutes and he's really playing over his head, I think on defense. So that's another good thing to see. Uh, I didn't bring up defense enough. I think that this team has, has gelled. Obviously Jamari Wheeler's uh, Jamari Wheeler's addition has helped on the defensive end, but that's another area where I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with because you don't get a lot of Big Ten teams that are capable of putting up 100. So if we play defense the way that we've been able to so far, that's going to be another thing that really helps this team down the road. Yeah, it's pretty funny how similar Big Ten basketball is to Big Ten football, where it's very, it really is very defensive based, low scoring games. That's like the stereotypical game, and it's it's very much the same in the Big Ten. I guess those you know those Midwest boys just get after it. They're very physical at both sports, so it's uh, it's very similar out there. But yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent correct about Orange. You know, he, this was a guy that you know the last year or two he was a complete defensive liability out there. You couldn't have him on the floor if you're in a close game because they were just going to attack him and go after him and, and score on him more often than not. And this year he's been, you know, at, at the very least serviceable and at some points pretty decent. Um, 
I honestly wish he would shoot more because, you know, he is such a sharpshooter. It does seem like he's hesitant at times to pull his shot. But when you're hitting, you know, 50, 60% of your threes on any given night, uh, just shoot it, man. You know, like you're you're an upperclassman. You have that confidence. Know you're a good shooter and light it up. You know, we've seen Justin Arns get hot and hit four or five threes in a game. And I'd love to see that on a more regular basis. It is kind of an issue to have a player on the court that who's only, you know, the only thing he is doing is shooting threes. But when you're that good at it, you know, you could kind of get by that way. You know, they don't need, like you said, they don't need Justin Arns to go out there and be everything on the court. But as long as he's, you know, serviceable on defense and still knocking down those threes, I think he's a, a valuable member of this team. And yeah, you know, overall, I think we're both pretty excited about the the direction of the program. I think Chris Holman's doing a great job. You know, he's got another good recruiting class coming in next year. Uh, and, you know, it's not – I don't think it's super easy to to recruit to Ohio State for basketball because, you know, for one, you know, you're not you're not the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the, you know, even the Michigan States of, of the college basketball scene, the Kansases and all those good programs. It's kind of tough to compete with the big boys there when you're a school that, that prides itself on football. I think you kind of, you know, the basketball program sometimes gets lost in the shuffle a bit. So to be able to do what he's doing in the recruiting game, still bring in these, you know, these upper echelon in the Big Ten classes, I think it's it's been pretty impressive, and I'm I'm hoping to see that continue. I think that overall, you know, uh, you know, there's been points in Chris Holman's tenure where where there's been a lot of question marks around him. I think fans have been overly tough on him at times, especially during you know losses and down years, but. Uh, you know, I, I think overall, I, I've been really happy with Chris Holman. He seems like a really good dude. You know, every year he seems to be, you know, doing stuff to get fans involved in the games. He's been buying kids, you know, lunch at Canes all these times. So I think he's a really good dude. I think he's doing a really good job with Ohio State's program. And I think that, you know, he is, he is the man for the job right now. And I'm hoping to see him continue it for, you know, a long time. I, I want everyone to know that we did not talk about this beforehand, but you really sort of read my mind and walked me into that. I was going to ask you if you think Chris Holtman is underappreciated or undervalued as the Ohio State uh, head coach. I think I that, absolutely do. Yeah, I think he is definitely underappreciated. I, I'm really with you. You know, he hasn't he hasn't brought in the guys that Thad Mata did, like the, the Conleys, the Odins, even a D'Angelo Russell, guys like that. But he brings in good teammates. He builds a, a solid roster like I just talked about. And when you look at his track record, it's 20 wins per season every season. I think the one knock against him right now is success or lack thereof in March in the tournament. You know, they've gone out in the round of 32 twice. They obviously lost to uh, Oral Roberts. Yeah, Oral Roberts last year in the round of 64. So, well, what's tough there too is that perhaps his best team he's had, Ohio State, that tournament got canceled for COVID. So we didn't even know how far that team could have gotten. Yeah, they got hot late, right? They were only 21 and 10, but they were playing really well later on in the season. So, and, and you're right, that got canceled. But, you know, I think if he wins a couple more games in March, I think this guy can write his ticket. I think, like you mentioned, Ohio State fans love Chris Holtman. Um, at least the ones that go to the games, right? You hear plenty on social media from the the minority that they're not, you know, in love with Chris Holtman. But I think the vast majority of fans are. Players seem to love playing for Chris Holtman. And, you know, he's good with the media. Just one thing after another. I, I think that he's a guy, if he wants it, um, that could be here, you know, 10, 12, whatever years. And I really hope that he is because, it's like I mentioned before, I just I like the way that he builds a roster and he builds a team. He brings in the right guys. They always seem to play well together. And, and yeah, maybe we're not bringing in a top two, three, five recruit every year, 
but we're bringing in plenty of talent and then we're supplementing it with, you know, some three, you know, some three-star guys, low four-star guys, transfers, things of that nature. And I, I think it's really hard to nitpick 20 wins per season, every season. And he's well on his way this year, you know, they're out to an eight and two start. So, you know, if you're looking for 25 to 30 wins every year, go, go root for Gonzaga. They play in a different conference. They can kind of handpick their players, transfer players, really. They've gotten some good recruits lately, like Chet Holmgren, guys like that. But you can either accept what Chris Holtman is bringing to the table, and that's 20 wins with the potential to do more. Or you can live with the peaks and valleys of a a North Carolina or a school like that. And for my money, I'll take a team that's competitive year in and year out. And if he puts some things together in March, then I don't think you can ask for a whole lot more. Yeah. And, you know, even with a guy like Chet Holmgren, like that was a guy that was considering Ohio State at one point. And that was, you know, like mm-hmm. one of the one of these top national recruits. And even looking at, you know, his class coming in in 2022, Ohio State currently has the number seven class in the country, number two in the Big Ten. They've got three top 100 guys and they almost have four. Bryce Sensible, the the small forward, is number 101, so just outside the top 100. But they have, you know, the number 41 player in the country and Bruce Thornton, a four-star guard. Uh, Roddy Gale Jr., another four-star guard. Felix Opara, a four-star center, top 50 player. Uh, and then Bowen Hardman, a three-star shooting guard. And that's, a, you know, that's a that's a really good class coming in. And that's, you know, especially with Felix Opara, the center coming in, six foot eleven. You know, that's the kind of player that Ohio State's kind of been been lacking in these recruiting classes is that true, you know, tall center. And, you know, now he's got one coming in. So he's got that added to his, you know, his roster coming in next year. So, yeah, like you said, I think he's done a good job with roster building, both through recruiting and through the transfer portal. You know, obviously, we've seen a lot of players come and go. That's just kind of the way college basketball is these days, whether that be, you know, Ohio State isn't really a one and done school like we see the Dukes and Kansas of the world. But, you know, they've had players come in and really not work out or not really play as much as they'd like and transfer out, you know. Guy like you know, some they've had tough some tough transfers too. You know, guys like DJ Carton and Luther Muhammad were both solid players at Ohio State. Wound up transferring elsewhere, but he's done a good job of replacing that production and bringing in guys that that fit the system better. And overall, I think that you know both parties wound up better for it. Much like the you know much like the James Williams Ohio State breakup, I think that Ohio State's breakup with guys like Carton and Muhammad was you know better in the long run for everyone involved. And I think that you know navigating that stuff is hard as a college basketball coach. There's not. You know, there's less players to account for than a, than a football team, but I think it's just as hard with, with how much transferring going on and, and the less uh, less years needed to go to the league and things like that. It's tough to build a roster and kind of build that chemistry in one year, two years, and stuff like that. So overall, I, I think he's done a really good job. I'm excited for the rest of the season for Ohio State basketball. Hopefully they get out there soon. Um, Chris Ullman did say in his, his radio show this week that, you know, even the guys that, that had COVID are vaccinated and they had you know, mild symptoms. So I would imagine that when they, they do back, go back out there, they should have everyone. But like you said, we don't know for sure. But hopefully all of those guys get healthy and we get to see them out there, uh, you know, in a week or so. One more thing on Holtman. Um, I don't know if you have it up in front of you, but take a, if you don't, take a guess at Chris Holtman's winning percentage at Ohio State. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go with a, a 67%. You have to have it up in front of you. I don't. I swear to God, I do not. 67%. Chris Holman is winning six. Now, you can compare that to Thad Mata, who, you know, he won, what, 340 games at Ohio State. He won five Big Ten titles, um, made it to an, an NCAA final. Um, but then you go back before that, Jim O'Brien. Jim O'Brien was fine, um, but then he had the scandal and everything. He was 133 and 88. 
And before that, Randy Ayers was 124 and 108. Now, he had some really, really good seasons, but then he had some down years as well. Chris Holtman has been the model of consistency. So you can't go back and look at it and say, well, you know, these aren't the days of yesteryear. Sure, he's lacking the conference titles and the NCAA tournament success, but he's winning games at a really high level, especially if you look back through history uh, for Ohio State coaches. So I, I really do think it's nitpicking for the fans and the media, whomever, who is not fully on board with Holtman. You know, he's winning at a, at a higher clip or as high of a clip as he did at Butler. So he came, he's been successful, and I think he will continue to do so. Fans just have to have a realistic expectation, I think. And I think that the expectation has been too high, and we want the expectations to be high. We want this program and this team to be successful. But if you really step back and look at it, they have been. You know, they just need to make some deeper runs. But I am fully on Chris Holtman, and I wish the the vocal minority would sort of like come over to my side a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, Ohio State fans especially, are probably a little little jaded by the football team and the expectations they come into every season with that. You know, Ohio State basketball is not one of these teams that comes into your favored to win the national title like the football team is. But they are still a team that could, you know, they that, you know, I guess the one fair criticism on Holtman is, is you know, making it deep into the tournament. So we would like to see Ohio State make an Elite Eight or a Final Four here in the next few years. And I think that, you know, maybe this year's the year. Maybe it's maybe it's one of those years. But I do think either way, they're building towards that. And you know, once he's able to do that, then I think that you know he's got this program fully where it needs to be. You know, all you need to do is make it there, and anything can happen once you get to March. So, I, I think that you know, college basketball obviously is the most fun postseason. I think it's the most uh, fair postseason in the sense that you get the most parity. Anybody could win on any given day. You just got to catch. You know, you get hot, another team's cold. You can win any game against any opponent, no matter how you know big the talent disparity might be. So, you know, all you got to do get your team rolling going into March. And, that, and that's really all you could ask for. So we look forward to that. We look forward to the rest of this basketball season. Josh, do you have anything else uh, you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, I don't, man. Um, ready to see this basketball team get back on the field. Ready to hear some things out of Ohio State football as far as bowl prep and everything goes. So I know we've had a little bit of a lull. Some of that just inactivity. Some of that due to COVID. But I'm ready to get back after it. Ready for Christmas. All that good stuff. And uh yeah. Do you have any fun Christmas plans? Um, no. I mean, yes. Christmas is Christmas is great. Christmas is fun. I travel a lot, and uh, you know, I, I work in the supply chain logistic industry. Uh, the Christmas time is not a slow season, so unfortunately, I have that to look forward to. But nothing too crazy. Nothing too out of out of the ordinary. How about you, Gene? No, nothing much. Just, you know, heading home for the, for the holidays. I'm, I'm moving into my apartment in Jersey, heading back to Long Island for, you know, to see my parents and everything for Christmas. Uh, it also sounds like we, you, we could blame you for all of America's supply chain issues since you sound like you're, <laughs> you're in charge of all of this stuff. So I'll be keeping that in the back of my mind as well. But yeah, otherwise nothing, nothing crazy for me trying to just, you know, hopefully everyone stays, uh, healthy for the holidays and all that, that, uh, that good stuff. I have nothing, uh, Nothing crazy going on in my mind, especially out here in the Northeast where, where uh, COVID is running rampant these times. So I will not be uh, going out a ton while I'm home. But either way. Uh, like I said, we'll be back next week with a, with a preview of the Ohio State-Utah game. 
and then you know that'll be a normal uh, two episode week where we come back with you with a with a recap of that game as well. But until then, uh, this has been Hang on the Holy Land. Be sure to like, rate, re- review, subscribe, all that good stuff that every podcast tells you to do. Uh, check out all of our content at Land Grant Holy Land. Even with you know no football being played, we're still coming at you with a ton of different you know basketball and football content each and every week. So be sure to check all that out. And for Josh, Julie, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.